Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Tuesday, November 24th, 2020. This is Shannon, and I am here with Brooke and Natalia tonight to discuss books that revolve around family secrets. So I think, you know, there are good things about families. There are not so good things about families. And then there are the kind of tricky secret things that all families seem to have that, you know, sometimes you learn about in rather... hmm, uncomfortable ways. So we're going to talk about some of those tonight, but before we do that, we'll have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to start us off, followed by Brooke and then, of course, Natalia. So my first pick tonight just came out earlier this year. This is the second novel by Britt Bennett, and it's called The Vanishing Half. And this is sort of a multi-generational saga of sorts. It centers around twins, Desiree and Stella. And in the 1960s, they, one of them has come back to the small Louisiana town from which they ran away 14 years before. So Desiree has returned home and with her is her daughter, Jude. And we know that she's running from an abusive husband. So she returns and this sort of stirs up all kinds of feelings and resentments in the town because everyone took it kind of personally when she and her sister ran away all those years ago and no one really knows why they did and why Desiree is back and why Stella isn't back. And so as time goes on, we learn little bits and pieces about both twins and what prompted them to run away initially, what kept them away and now what has brought Desiree back. Stella is living as a white woman in Washington, D.C., and later in California. And she is doing everything she can to keep herself distant from her past and her like African-American roots. Um, there are some reasons for this, some of which you find out right away, some of which don't reveal themselves until later on in the novel. But we follow both Desiree and Stella, as well as their daughters, who end up meeting by chance and learning that they are related to one another. And this, of course, brings everything to a head. 
It's a slow moving, kind of quiet, introspective novel. There's not a lot of heavy action here. It's more about what motivates people to do the things that they do. We look at class differences. We look at race differences. We look at the choices that families make and kind of what prompts different members of these families to make choices so different from what others in their same situation might decide. So I really enjoyed this. It like fit my mood really well at the time that I read it. Um, I could just kind of like sink into it and really get to know these characters. And they're not always 100% likable, which I think is the mark of a good book. The characters feel very flawed and real. So this is The Vanishing Half, and it is by Britt Bennett. That was a good book. It was. It was really well done. So the first book that I'm going to talk about tonight is... Like Mother, Like Daughter by Al Croft. So this book is told from three perspectives. We've got Kat, Stella, and Imogen. So Kat has two daughters, Imogen and Jemima, and she really tries to treat the girls um, the same. Like she really tries to make sure that she doesn't treat one better than the other and that if one gets something, then the other gets it. And as the book goes along, we learn that one reason why she tries to do this is because Imogen is adopted. So Imogen doesn't know this, but Imogen is adopted and she, um, Kat doesn't really want her to know why she was adopted, but we find out that um, her parents are serial killers so her biological oh. parents are serial killers and um cat and her husband adopted imogen when she was 18 months old so stella is her biological mother and we learn we kind of like the story is told from each of their perspectives and some things like start happening and we kind of like this book is really, a dis- I guess I would say it's a really a discussion of nurture versus nature and like how will Imogen turn out to be like her parents because that's her parents or will she be turn out to be like her adoptive parents because that's who raised her. So this is like mother, like daughter, and it's by Elle Croft. Wow. Oh my God, like you just made me <laughs> want to read that right now. It's, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. It kind of reminds me of like Canesville, but like without the paranormal, the paranormal right? Element. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like with Olivia and like her parents are, just, are like convicted serial killers. Well, my first book is by. Elizabeth Acevedo and this book is called Clap Where You Land. So where does this title come from? I think it's interesting because I was um, I rarely read books about my own people in English anyway and um, this book takes place between the Dominican Republic and the United States and Dominicans have a very big habit of clapping 
when they land somewhere when they fly it's um very common actually and it it's so common that in Dominican Republic, not only do you clap when you land, but when you get off the airplane, there's a musical band w- waiting to play typical Dominican music for you, like live. Really? Oh, you really? That's neat. Wow. Uh-huh. You walk out of the plane and you get um, some merengue typico, and it's it, you know it's it's usually like a Dominican tambora, a wira, and maybe an accordion, and they're playing, waiting to receive you. That's so it's cool. super cool. That is very I know. Cool. I, I, I love it. It that. makes me feel so it's it's so welcoming. So this book is about Camino Rios and she lives in Dominican Republic and she is, you know, still in high school, about to graduate, doesn't know what she's going to do with her life or what's going to happen. But the one thing that she does live for is the summers where her father comes to visit her in Dominican Republic. And, you know, when he's not with her in the summers, during the year, she stays with her aunt. But this time, uh, on the day his plane is supposed to land, Camino goes to pick him up at the airport. And instead of finding, you know, the band that I'm talking about, <laughs> she finds crowds of crying people. Aww. Yep. And now, let's go back to the United States. In New York City, we've got Yahaira Rios and she's in school studying uh, in class when she's called to the principal's office Uh, and her mother's there waiting to tell her that her father her hero has died in a plane crash so separated by distance and papi's secrets the two girls are forced to face a new reality where their father is dead and their lives are altered Except when it seems like they've both lost everything about their father that there was to have, they learn about each other. Hmm. So, yeah, biggest family secret of all. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So this is Clap Where You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. And I really love this. A lot of um, Dominican men have double lives. They'll have a wife in the Dominican Republic, kids, and then they'll have wife and kids here and they'll send oh. money and they'll go for the summer. And um, sometimes the wives know about each other. Sometimes they don't, but it was definitely a common practice. Um, that's why actually, when I read this book, I completely was like, yep, I, <laughs> I identify with this, not because it, it <laughs> happened to me or my family, because my mom and her twin, that's the reason they didn't marry Dominican men. <laughs> ah, so that's, that but, happen. Yep. That's why my father's Ecuadorian. But it is a very, very common uh, occurrence. So is this a verse novel? Um, Not like the poet X. I think that the way she writes is very kind of like she she makes me think of an author that kind of writes a book of slam poetry but it's a book and a story that makes sense so it doesn't go backwards it won't drive you nuts but it's very um awesome and creative and very spanglishy but in 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 a good way because it's not somebody who doesn't speak spanish just pretend you know what i'm saying right it's very like spanglishy in the way that we talk so my next pick is The Silent Sister by Diane yes. Chamberlain. Yes, I love this and book. 
Yes, Diane Chamberlain is so, so amazing. Um, I'm really excited for her 2021 book. I haven't seen a release date for it yet. So I'm hoping that we don't have to wait till the end of the year. But this is the story of Riley. And all of her life, Riley has believed that her older sister, Lisa, committed suicide. But after the death of her father, as Riley is going through his effects, she finds evidence that suggests that Lisa is actually still alive and living under an assumed name. And so, of course, Riley wants to know, like, why, first of all, why did she leave home? And who decided and why did they decide to, instead of telling the truth, to say that, you know, not only is Lisa dead, but that she committed suicide. So she starts digging into her family's past and trying to understand kind of what the truth is. And as she does this, as you might imagine, she learns some things that really, really upend her view of her family and herself and just kind of her overall place in the world. And she starts to wonder, like, how well do you really know people and how much can you trust them, even if they are like, you know, your parents that you're supposed to be able to completely trust and believe in. So now she knows a bunch of truths and she has to figure out what to do about them. I can't really tell you too much more without spoiling things, but this is such a perceptive look at kind of what makes people do things that we might think of as like just impossible to wrap your head around. She just does such a great job of looking into the minds of her characters and like really understanding what motivates them. And I love her for it. So she really does. So this again is the silent sister and it's by Diane Chamberlain. I highly recommend it as I recommend pretty much anything that Chamberlain writes. I don't think I've read a book of hers I didn't like. No, I think my least favorite is The Courage Tree, which is an older book. Um, and even that like wasn't terrible. It just wasn't as good Poignant. as other ones. The thing is, I knew Shannon was going to talk about Diane Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I felt like since to. she introduced me to her, it was like... I haven't read you know, a, lot, a lot of her books, so I... Do have a lot of books of hers that I could go back and read now. Oh, you like should. You, you should. There's. So I think I've only lovely. read maybe like two or three of her books so far. Oh my god! You have I so love much fabulousness. <laughs> and the thing with her is, you'll read one book and you have to like find another one. Yes. To and read. It's just. And they're all like different. You don't read it and think like, oh, this is just you know the same like thing being rehashed over yeah. and over. That's what I've yeah. noticed with the couple with the books that I have read that I have read of hers. So the next book that I'm going to talk about tonight is Mother Knows Best by Kira Peikoff. And this book is about a woman named Claire. And Claire lost her son at a really young age. She has a genetic um like something genetically that she passes on to her children. So she knows, like she really, really wants to have another child, but she knows that it's pretty much guaranteed that she'll give on this genetic um, problem. 
So she doesn't like obviously want to go through that. But then she meets um, a man named Robert Nash. And Nash is a researcher, a genetic researcher. And he's working with a woman named Jillian, which is his, um, like his assistant. And together they have discovered a way to combine the genetic material of three people in order to create a child without um, a genetic condition. So of course, this makes Claire really, really excited. Um, But she knows that her husband isn't going to be on board with it. So she decides to go behind his back and do it anyway. That's always good. I know, eh? Well, her husband finds out and he ends up reporting Nash to the police. And so Nash and Claire, that's uh, the woman, they go on the run. And this leaving um, Jillian to take the charge. So then we fast forward about 10 years or so. And now we meet Abby. And Abby is Claire's daughter. Um, And Abby doesn't know that, um, like, the uh, miracle of her birth. Like, she doesn't really know how she, like, how they did the genetic work to... um, like to to create her kind of thing um and then so one day they're doing I think it's I want to say it's like a project or something for school or somehow she discovers that you can like enter your genetic profile into a website and find out like who you're related to so her mom has always like her mom and dad being Robert and um Claire they're kind of like recluses like they don't go and like obviously being on the run they don't go into public very often so they're very quiet about everything and like Abby wants to know like does she have any relatives out there because like her mom and her dad aren't telling them her anything so she enters her profile into the database and she discovers something so that's where I'm going to stop because I don't want to give away everything. But this is Mother Knows Best and it's by Kira Peikoff. And it was so, so good. Maybe Mother doesn't always know best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all, you know, when there's a book that tells you, like, oh, and they didn't tell so and so, you know, that's not going to turn out very well. And never yeah, works. that's not a good choice. it never works so speaking of mothers the next book i'm going to talk about is the first book in a series of course because i can't talk about like the fourth (laughs) book in a series that would be completely counterproductive (laughs) but actually though these books should be read in order not because of my obsessive compulsion but because you'll be lost if you don't so this is the gates of evangeline by Hester Young, Charlie Kate's book one. And this book is one of those books that I would consider unputdownable. It was so different from anything that I read before, but it had all the elements of everything that I've read that I've liked. And since we're talking about mothers, this is about Charlotte Kate's 
or uh, also known as Charlie, and she is a bereaved mother. She is grieving the loss of her five-year-old son uh, when our story starts, and this is not a spoiler. It's right here. She lives in New York, and she is a journalist, but um, while she's wallowing in her grief, she starts having really strange dreams of children, and she thinks that she's losing her mind. Because she feels that dreaming of children is probably something that happens to grieving parents like her. But soon she realizes that these are not just nightmares of grieving parents. They are messages and warnings that will help Charlie and the children she sees if only she could figure out what they are trying to tell her. So eventually this little boy in a boat appears in her dreams asking her for help. And she doesn't know where this is coming from but she gets some clues that eventually land her tangled up in this 30 year old missing child case in Louisiana uh, from a very prestigious family that lives in a mansion called Evangeline and they are the DeVoe family so she gets an invitation to the estate of Evangeline And, well, she feels like she has nothing to lose, so she packs all her stuff, heads south, and goes to investigate. And there she finds new friends, she finds a romance, and she starts, if not to heal, to figure out how how she's going to live her life and how she likes this investigating. But there are so many secrets, and they're long buried Secrets of love, money, betrayal, and then people start dying. And not only that, but her visions start implicating the people that she loves. Because during this whole thing, these visions are still happening to her. And so, as far as we know, the evil that is happening is much closer than she imagined. So you see, we've got a little bit of gothic... We've got some supernatural, paranormal-ish, uh, some contemporary. It's just like my favorite balance of a little bit of everything. And so if you want to know what happens to the child, and if we find out what happened to the missing child from 30 years ago, you'll have to read Gates of Evangeline, Charlie Cates, book one, by Hester Young. And actually, the synopsis, I think, describes it even better than I did. Literary suspense and romance with a mystical twist. Yes. I haven't read this. I'm going to have to find it. Oh, it really so, oh my God. You, they're so good. You have no idea. They're so good. So while you were talking, I just looked this author up because I haven't seen anything from her in a little while. I know. And it doesn't look like we're getting any more. Like that's it? Yeah, it looks like it. Like Aww. it's just the three. So for my next pick, we go all the way back, and in like book world, this is a long way to 2006, to the publication of the first book in Brenda Novak's Stillwater trilogy. This Yay. is Dead Silence, Stillwater Book One. So all of these books revolve around the same group of family secrets and so in order to fully understand what has happened and who is responsible you have to read all three so it's dead silence dead giveaway and dead right so in dead silence 
we learned something very, very fast. And it is that there is a body buried behind an old farmhouse in Stillwater, Mississippi. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Grace Montgomery has known that this body is there since she was 13 years old. And she remembers very, very vividly the night that everything went wrong and the body was put there. But her family has kept this a dark and dangerous secret for years. And because Grace couldn't deal with all the feelings that were bound up in in this whole incident, she left home when she graduated from high school She went to college, she became a prosecuting attorney, and she hasn't come home for years and years. Now, though, she's back in town, and she's trying to lay the ghosts of her past to rest once and for all. But this is really hard because she cannot tell the truth. Like, telling the truth will be dangerous for so many people that Grace loves, but keeping these secrets is also really dangerous because some of the townspeople of Stillwater are desperate to know the truth. There is a man named Kennedy who is running to be the mayor, and he has some longtime connections to some of the players from years ago. And he always regrets kind of the way that he treated Grace when they were in high school together. And so he wants to get to know her. And in doing so, this, of course, puts him right in the middle of this like hotbed of secrets and intrigue. This is romantic suspense at its finest. This is the first Brendan Novak series I've ever read. I loved it so much. Um, I read it probably... I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, right after the third one came out. And I am rereading it again now. It is just so very incredible. So this one is Dead Silence. And it's Stillwater Book One by Brenda Novak. And then, as I said, you do have to go on and read the other two if you want to know, fully know, what happened. I don't know that I've read this one. I've read a few of her books. Would you say that, um, Shannon, these Brenda Novak books are kind of like the the same concept of the the Shilla Walker trilogy where you don't find out who done it until the last book and it's super shocking? Um, Well, so like with those, I feel like you don't get as much of the buildup. Like you're so surprised because like it feels like nothing kind of leads you in that direction. Here, as the story unfolds, you sort of understand, like, more and more what went wrong. Um, So it's more of a, like, a steady stream of information. It's not like the big twist at the end where you're just like, oh, my gosh. It's more like you learn it slowly and then, like, things that you read in the previous book, like, start to make a little more sense. So my next book tonight is The Lookalike by Erica Spindler. And before I get started, I just want to mention that I won't be able to say a lot because otherwise I'll spoil it. So I'll give you what I can. So our main character's name is Sienna. And Sienna 
has been living with her grandmother for about 10 years. And the reason why she's living with her grandmother is that she came across one of her schoolmates dead. And she, like, she kind of feels like it was that it was a possibility that she is the one that was actually targeted, that it was kind of mistaken identity. And the reason she thinks this is because her friend or this person was wearing the same color jacket as she wore. Well, now Sienna is coming home because her mother, um, who has a mental, who has a mental health, um, mental health problem, she needs help. And um, Sienna wants to be there for her. So she comes home and things start happening. And now she is starting to wonder if the, like, whoever killed this person back 10 years ago, if they might be after her now. So that's about all I can say, (laughs) which I know is not a lot, but it was a really, really good read. It's The Lookalike by Erica Spindler. You really really can't say a lot about that one. (laughs) No, you can't. No, you really can't. I thought that she dealt with like the mental illness of the mother really well. Like it felt yeah. believable and not just like a, a plot device. So I really appreciated that. I, want, I think this is the book that I felt either this book or the last book that I talked about, The Mother Knows Best. One of the two, I felt like they wrapped it up too neatly. But I can't remember which one I said that about. It was one of the I would two. Hey, like it's. I wouldn't be surprised if it was this one because that is a thing that I sometimes struggle with with Spindler. Yeah. So, imagine that you're going through old stuff in your attic. In this case, it would probably be if you lived in Miami, like me. It'd probably be a garage, huh? Imagine you're going through old stuff in your attic and you find a letter addressed to you from your husband that you were never supposed to read that says, my darling Cecilia, if you're reading this, then I've died. Well, if it said, my darling Cecilia, I would know that it wasn't for me since my name is not Cecilia. <laughs> True. But in this book, the main character's name, aka the wife, is Cecilia, darling. Cecilia. I like the name. <laughs> and this book is called The Husband's Secret by Leanne Moriarty. Yay. And now hold on to your seats because this is not what you think in any way at all. But imagine that after you read My Dear Cecilia, if you're reading this, then I've died, is followed by your husband's deepest, darkest secrets that have the potential to destroy not just the life that you've built together, but the lives of others as well. And not only that, not only are you reading this letter that you found that says that your husband has died, but your husband is very much alive. 
Oh. And has not died and is perfectly healthy. And <laughs> wishes you hadn't gone to the attic. Basically. Probably should have <laughs> hidden it better. <laughs> so this story is about Cecilia Fitzpatrick, the Fitzpatrick family. And, you know, she's got a great life. She's achieved it all in her eyes. She's an incredibly successful businesswoman, a pillar of her small community, a devoted wife and mother of a great marriage. Her life is as orderly and spotless as her home, but apparently not as spotless as her attic. (laughs) (laughs) But that letter is about to change everything and not just for her. We've got two other characters, Rachel and Bess. They barely know Cecilia and they barely know each other, but they too are about to feel the earth shattering repercussions of Cecilia's husband's secret. So, you know, this novel is really about how well do we really know our spouses and ultimately ourselves. This is The Husband's Secret by Leanne Moriarty. And I would pick this up as soon as you can, because let me tell you, everything you're thinking about you know, double life, other women, blah, blah, blah. It is not that. It is none of that. In fact, you will never guess. I remember when this book was going to come out, uh, when I was a pretty big Leon Moriarty fan, and I could not wait until it came out. And then it came out, and I'm like, oh, well, she's just probably going to do a double life thing where he has another wife and kids and whatever. And But it's fine, because it's <laughs> Leon Moriarty, and she'll do such a great job. And then I read the letter, because we read the letter in the beginning, so that's great. You'll get to read the entire letter. At first, you won't be like sitting there for 16 hours waiting for the letter. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I love Leanne Moriarty. I love how she... I, I like her characters. I love how she can weave a story. I feel like I'd watch her books on TV. Well, you could if you're if it's Big Little Lies. True. True. I think my husband was watching Big Little Lies for a while. So I feel like, though, after Big Little Lies, the two that she came out with were not as good. All right. So my last pick tonight is a book that Natalia doesn't like, but I do. (gasps) Really? (laughs) Yes. So this is The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. And this is marketed as the mothers. So Britt Bennett, um, who I talked about in the first part of the show, that is her first novel, meets Tyree Jones and American Marriage. And I would sort of agree with that, although the writing style is vastly different from both of those. And although it's a story about family and kind of the strange and often bad things that families do to one another, um, I guess I, I don't really see it as a direct comparison. I would compare this more to a book that Natalia will talk about here in a little while, which is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Eng. So The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls is the story of the Butler sisters, Althea, Viola, and Lillian. And they, Althea is the oldest, and she has always kind of ruled over the other two. And sometimes Lillian and Viola are okay with this, and sometimes not so much. 
Um, Althea is married. She has two daughters. She owns a successful market. And basically, her life is everything that anyone could ever dream of. But it turns out, as you would probably guess, that things are not as pristine as they seem on the outside. And this comes to light when Althea and her husband are arrested for fraud. Now, their two daughters are living in the family home, and Lillian and Viola are struggling to kind of hold the family together. Viola is a lesbian with an eating disorder who is struggling not only to help raise her sister's kids, but also to kind of come to terms with her own mental health and some secrets that she's been keeping. And Lillian, it's hard to say a lot about Lillian. Um, She has quite a few hidden depths at first when you meet her. At least when I met her, I was not super impressed by Lillian as a character. As the story unfolds, you learn more about who she is and certain aspects of her begin to make more sense. Um, This is similar to The Vanishing Half, not like a high octane thriller of a book. Um, It's not domestic suspense. It is instead just a quiet look at a family on the edge of collapse and what they do to keep themselves afloat. Sometimes what they do is understandable and relatable, and sometimes it's not. And I think it mirrors human experience like in, in so many ways. It is just a lovely, lovely and disturbing look at one family. So this is The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls, and it's by Anissa Gray. I think this is the first book we've ever disagreed on. I think that's probably accurate. So my last pick tonight is South of the Buttonwood Tree by Heather Weber. So in this book, we have our main character, Blue Bishop, and Blue has been known to find – Blue is a finder. Like, she finds things all the time. She finds jewelry. She finds money. She finds – she even finds her neighbors, her neighbor from time to time. So one day, she's in the, bo- she's in the woods – and she's walking around and she hears some crying. And that's not really something you expect to hear in the woods. So she goes towards the crying and she discovers a baby. It's a very, very young baby. And the baby is alone. And she doesn't know what to do, but she um, takes it to get checked out and and stuff like that and they start looking for the mother of this baby but while they're doing it she takes the baby home and she cares for her and she names her flora so now we have flora who's doing well at um blue's house but we have another family in the community and we're with this um We've got Sarah Grace. So Sarah Grace's father is running for mayor 
So as you can imagine, all of his like opposition, like opponents are trying to dig up dirt. So Sarah has secrets and there's things that are happening in her life that she is trying to keep quiet because she doesn't want them to negatively affect her, um, her father. Um, and we also have her cousin and I can't, for some reason, I cannot remember her name, but we, her cousin is living with, um, her parents, like with, um, Sarah Grace's parents and they have, she herself also has secrets. So we've got lots of secrets going on and we've got this baby. So this baby, Flora, she kind of is like where so the discovery of flora is going to bring forth some secrets that um people want to keep quiet um we're going to learn stuff about each of the families that connect one another that they would really rather not be known and that's really all i can say for there so this is south of the buttonwood tree by heather weber and it was so good. I love her. I love it her so, so much. Good. I'm so happy that you read her. This Have you read her my Lucy Valentine TBR books? pile for a long time? I need to pick it up. You really do. Like it was Have so you... good. Like it's I gave it five stars. Like it's not Ooh, okay. normally for me, like this isn't normally a genre that I totally pick up, but it's got a bit of magical, I guess magical realism. I think that's what it's called. Yes. So that kind of caught my attention. Hmm. Well, speaking of stories and multiple points of view, my last book, which is actually a winner of the Goodreads Choice Award 2017, is called Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. And I will tell you that this is the first book I read by this author, even though I think I believe it's her second novel. So this book takes place in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is about a mother and daughter. And I'm just trying to think of how I can tell you what it's about without spoiling it to you. Because um, the synopsis here is not a synopsis. It just says all the accolades. My neighbor picked this book up, and this is like apropos of nothing, but she (laughs) saw the title and she thought that it would be about pyromaniacs. And (laughs) so she bought it and she started to read it. And she's like, I I really, I don't understand this. (laughs) Like it was not what she was expecting it to be. Um, And I think eventually she kind of got into it, but the the title and I think the cover um, is misleading are deceiving. So if you're looking for like a, a book about arson, um, this is not. Well, it it is about arson kind of. Well, sort of, but not the kind of arson she was looking for. No. I'm kind of concerned about your neighbor wanting to read Pyromania. I love books about (laughs) arsonists. I would put asbestos around your door. I love, love, love books about arsonists. I, I do okay. too, especially blue smoke. <laughs> oh, blue smoke! I love blue, blue smoke. Well, anyway, little anyway. fires everywhere. <laughs> After that tangent, it's about it takes place in Shaker Heights, Cleveland, a progressive suburb where everything is planned. 
from the layout of the winding roads to the colors of the houses to the successful lives its residents will go on to lead or at least make you believe that they lead. And nobody embodies the spirit more than Elena Richardson, <laughs> who loves to play by the rules. And I will add here that I'm just insulted that this woman's name is the same as my own mother. But, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm very upset about this. Then enters Mia Warren, and she's different, and she's an enigmatic art- artist, and she's a single mother, and... She arrives with her teenage daughter, Pearl, in this idyllic bubble, and she rents a house from the Richardsons. <laughs> and soon Mia and Pearl become more than tenants. All four Richardson children are drawn to the mother-daughter pair, but Mia carries some deep secrets. And not only deep secrets, but she has no regard for the status quo, which will inevitably probably drive Elena crazy and upend this community. When old, Later, when old family friends of the Richardsons attempt to adopt a Chinese-American baby, a custody <laughs> battle erupts, and that dramatically divides the town and not only does divide the town but it puts mia and elena of course of course on opposing sides suspicious of mia and her motives for being on the opposite side of her elena is determined to discover the secrets of mia's past but her obsession will lead her to find things that maybe she doesn't want to hear and might have Why unexpected dig out secrets. Yeah. Unexpected and devastating costs. You know, in, in Latin America we have a saying that says el que busca encuentra, which means if you look, if you seek, you shall find. <laughs> yes, yes, you shall. And Get you might not secrets. like it. Nope, you probably won't. So this is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. So that brings us to the end of our very dark and twisty family secrets episode. And if you've learned nothing else, um, maybe don't go like digging into someone's past. Um, it might not end well for you. Yeah. Anyway, don't look through phones. No, no. Or like don't look in that. Don't look in the attics. attics. Oh my no. God! No, not no attics good. or garages or basements. God forbid you get locked in there. No, it's, it's no good. So thank you to Brooke and to Natalia for coming up with some really excellent books for this episode. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And of course we thank all of you for joining us each week as we talk about all the fantastic books that we love. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.